Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember, subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. This week's Fiber for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Wesco. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Five for Breakfast. We're now in our eighth episode of 2024. Before we kick off, I'd like to thank Wesco, the platinum sponsor of Five for Breakfast. You know, here I am in beautiful Yuma, Arizona, here to spend some time with Allo Communications and see some precision agriculture in, in flight. So I'm pretty excited about today. Um, but, you know, a lot is going on in Washington, and last week, the Fiber Broadband Association did a number of Hill visits to advocate for funding for the FCC's Affordable Connectivity Program, ACP. We need that funded. And we are focused on a wide range of legislation that will help accelerate fiber deployment. We're also very excited for the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber Day on the Hill coming up in April. That is was great last year. It's even going to be better this year. And on the road, our first regional Fiber Connect workshop of the year was held a couple weeks ago in Richmond. It was our largest and most successful to date. And coming up, we'll be in Little Rock in mid-April. Then we'll be in Park City in June, Des Moines, September, Albuquerque in November. And of course, our giant Fiber Connect 2024 conference will be in Nashville July 28th to 31st. You're not going to want to miss that. That brings us today's Fire for Breakfast session with Kevin Sheehan, CTO of the Americas for Siena on how, and he will be discussing pond modules and terabyte plugs, a synergistic approach to access networks. Last week on Fire for Breakfast, our guests were Chip Pickering from Encompass, uh, Quinn Jordan from the Mississippi Broadband Association, and Ada Yinka Ogunlagan the, from Education Superhighway, who discussed what happens to Mississippi without ACP. You know, this is a national issue and our deep dive on the impact to Mississippi is relevant to every state and territory in the nation. You know, without additional funding from Congress, it is anticipated that April will be the last month that over 23 million families currently enrolled in ACP will that's be the end of their benefit. So if you missed it, please go to the FBA website and see the replay. That brings us today's Fire for Breakfast session with Kevin Sheehan, the CTO of the Americas for Siena, who will be discussing Pond modules and terabyte plugs, a synergistic approach to access networks. Kevin serves as the CTOs of the Americas Fiesta Siena. He has more than 25 years of experience leading high performance cross-functional teams and building very successful product lines and early stage companies. He's also served as general manager of Siena's Agility and served as Siena's vice president of product line management for Packet Network Solutions. Prior to Siena, Kevin was CEO of Hatters Networks and he's held leadership um, positions with Alcatel Packet Engines as an SMC. Kevin holds a BS and MS degrees in engineering from Stony Brook and an MBA from Dowling College. So welcome college, uh, college. Welcome Kevin. And for our audience, please type your questions as we go and we'll work them into the Q&A at the end. So let's get things started. Awesome, thanks Gary. And thanks everyone for tuning in this morning. Hope you got a good cup of coffee with you for breakfast. Um, so we, as Gary mentioned, we're going to talk about modular 
devices ranging from PON modules going all the way up to uh, terabyte plugs and talk about how they come together to form some great synergy for residential broadband access. So a lot of you know, if we could kick off to the next slide, a lot of you know Sienna um, and our DNA comes from dense wave division multiplexing. And you know that's really where we came from and we've continued to invest and excel there. And some of you may not know that we've kind of quietly become the, the leader in data center interconnect. And that's really important for the conversation today because what working with those hyperscalers has taught us is, uh, you know, it's, it's, of course, they introduced us to the concept of disaggregation and openness, because that's the name of the game in their world. And then, of course, the hyperscalers, the amount of bandwidth that they serve and the growth that we see in terms of bandwidth is unimaginable in any other aspect of our business, honestly. And then, of course, energy is very important. So we've learned how to significantly reduce the energy of per bit and then density and miniaturization you know i mean we're talking about modules i have one in my hand here you know this module can do 1.6 terabytes of data which is just crazy i mean gary you remember back in uh in uh the early days when we were both getting started in our career that would be racks and racks of equipment in a central office and now it's a pluggable module. So it's it's just uh, crazy, uh, that learning curve. So what the heck does this mean to uh, residential broadband? So on the, it really starts here in residential broadband and miniaturization on the left-hand side of the slide. And just over a year ago, we acquired a company called Tibet Communications. And Tibet as a startup went on to develop these OLT modular plugs. So basically, if you take one of either of these plugs on the left-hand side of the, of the screen and you plug them into virtually any type of device with a SFP plus receiver, you then turn that device into an OLT. So you could have a router, uh, maybe you could have a hosting platform that's hosting uh, a virtual BNG, for example, you put one of these plugs in there and it actually get, has a MAC address in it and it converts the device into an OLT. So you can see that's revolutionary and evolutionary in the development of residential broadband. And then, you know, if you could imagine that host device that has these, these PON plugs in it, it also needs some type of connectivity towards the middle mile of the network and back towards the core of the network. And what we have is our full family of coherent plugs, you know, everything for, ranging from open uh, 400ZR plugs going up to uh, uh, 800 gig coherent pluggables and beyond. So, you know, what we're talking about is giving the service provider, whatever kind of service provider they are, the flexibility to, you know, plug and mix and match whatever they want to use at whatever scale they need at that point in time and really using whatever type of host platform they'd like to use. So, you know, it really adds a new level of flexibility, a new level of cost and a new level of efficiency to the network. So let's uh, let's make it real here and look at a, a look at an actual disaggregated comparison. You know, here we're kind of focused on environmental footprint, um, which is the name of the game today. So you see that you know if you look at a traditional router OLT combo on the left hand side, 
and then a disaggregated and virtualized situation on the right-hand side, you know, you see really, you know, more than 50% reduction in energy and almost a 70% footprint reduction as well. You also, if you look closely, you see things getting started in a 1RU form factor with pluggable modules. And, you know, as, as you're out there today, Gary, uh, virtually, uh, maybe not the middle of nowhere, but near the middle of nowhere, um, you you know, you can appreciate and the service providers you're talking to, they don't often need a very large platform to get started serving these rural areas. They'd like to get started as small as they can and even in a pay-as-you-go modular format as well. So, you know, this disaggregated modular approach is really making that real for the service provider, whatever kind of service provider they may be. And of course, you know, we are talking uh, in most cases today about the, uh, when we're talking about funding, when we're talking about ACP, we're talking about rural America. So we have some pictures here of rural America. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that even with, you know, $40 billion or so of bead funding and another 10 or so billion dollars of matching funding, it's still very challenging for service providers to serve this market. There's a reason why a lot of the unserved and underserved have been that way through the years. It's, it's a difficult market to solve, to, to penetrate, a difficult market to attack. And I think, you know, the lesson we've learned over the last year to 18 months is that it really helps to have something that's a little more modular and a different approach. You know, Sienna as a new entrant in this space, we really had to focus on being different and being different in a positive way um, and in a meaningful way. And we found that that modular open approach um, really makes it a lot more feasible to serve some of these locations, which is, you know, not unlike how we've gotten into other aspects of our business through time. Um, so, you know, very challenging space. And then finally, you know, not only is the geography, you know, the, the economics challenging. I put this slide together a few weeks ago to help explain um, how this funding process works, right? Because, I mean, I know, uh, Gary, for you and your team, you could do a better diagram than the one I put together. But, um, you know, you, you also can appreciate that it's hard to explain how, how this works. It's pretty confusing. It's, it's wonderful, but it's confusing. So, you know, in this case, we looked at a little bit of the complex ecosystem of how the money comes from Washington, D.C., and then goes down into a state, like in this case, we picked Louisiana because they were the, the first one to check all of the 10 columns or check all of the 10 boxes in order to uh, get closer to funding, and then how the funding is actually awarded and how the services are deployed. Uh, can be different in almost any every case, not only every case in a state, but of course from state to state as well across our 50 states. So when we look at this, we see, wow, this is pretty complex. And especially for some of these newer service providers or, or uh, counties or municipalities or utilities to navigate. So I think also having a solution that's easier to get started with that is is more open, more modular, also can you know help those folks not worry so much about the networking side because clearly they have enough other things to worry about. 
And you know, I, I do want to mention one thing about disaggregation. You know, going back probably about five years now in our industry, when we started to talk about disaggregation, we talked about doing it in a way where you know maybe a service provider would write all of their own code and buy all of their own components on the open market and then be the system integrator to put everything together. And you know, honestly and candidly, that didn't work out too, so well. Um, and that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm more talking about this is a proven solution. You can plug it all together, it works. You can have a management platform, but if you do wanna mix and match other proven solutions together, you can you can have a viable solution that best meets your best meets your needs, uh, whatever kind of service provider you are. So that's that's uh, that's my baseline material today, Gary. Hopefully to to give our questions and give our open discussion, which is the most interesting part, something to stand on. Well, since you ended with NTIA, um, one of the questions that came in was, you know, on beat approved vendors. So. You know, you've seen a lot of the vendors, um, I think Nokia was the first that um, did a big announcement of their manufacturing in the U.S. and um, how they're BABA compliant. Um, what, where are you guys in that process? Yeah, we are also uh, BABA compliant. We weren't the first one to announce. Uh, I don't think we were the last, but we were somewhere in the middle there. Um, so, uh, you know, we use uh, large scale global subcontract manufacturers and uh, you know we've moved the relevant devices uh, for bead funding into locations here in the United States uh, with those same same world-class subcontractors so we uh, you know we're excited to have a solution that meets the uh, BABA requirements. Now SSPs kind of fall into a separate category how does that come you know work with pluggables and as far as from a BABA perspective? Yeah, well, we're watching it really closely, Gary. You know, and it, it's, uh, as you know, nothing is uh, ever uh, concrete in this space in terms of what falls in each category. But if we if we have to move uh, uh, pluggables, uh, you know, to, uh, to a US location uh, completely, that's, that's fine as well. You know, the capabilities are there um, on, the, uh, on the manufacturing front. All right, last BABA question here from the audience. Um, so do you see your transport products becoming part of the BABA waiver for B? It's a really good question. I wish I had better answers for you, but we're, we're just watching it as closely as we can to see uh, where, where the waiver comes down, where the next waiver, if there is one, comes down, and where the next requirement comes down. So, you know, it's it's all a balance of, we, I mean, we, we as Siena, we don't really have a strong feeling where we should manufacture the equipment. It really, of course, comes down to cost. And, um, you know, the cost impact of manufacturing some of the devices in the United States for any equipment manufacturer, not just Sienna, is significant. Um, but I understand the requirement and I support the requirement. If, you know, we're going to give out all of this government funding. Um, there, there should also be something in it for the government, other than uh, merely bringing the broadband out to the to the subscribers. Another question from the audience: Does this disaggregated and virtualized um, solution have built-in maintenance modules to monitor and maintain the fiber to the home network? That's a great question. So, you know, definitely on our uh, fiber optical platforms, we have a slew 
of built-in capabilities, uh, even some things that you know could fall into the loosely fall into the category of uh, uh, AI. You know, dare I say it? Um, but we've had that in our platforms for a long time, so that we can start to see, for example, degradation in performance prior to something like forward error correction being applied. So that you know, I mean, our modules and our optics are designed to perform at the highest level possible you know, for as long as they can, but we also can look behind the scenes in our modules how much more forward error correction is being applied so that we can, for example, suggest maintenance on a particular, you know, uh, uh, pair of fiber before it actually goes down or before services interrupt it. So you mentioned, you know, your Sienna's experience in data centers, um, you know, also Sienna's roots are all optical transport from back in the day um so you're you've come in back down into the space um what kind of advantage does that give sienna and how's that move into residential been for sienna yeah so it's pretty interesting um you know we when we look at this space of course we were kind of pulled into the space honestly you know we have very strong relationships with service providers out there and they've asked us over time in several different cases to enter different areas of their network and become a become a solution provider in areas outside of our traditional norm and uh you know we do our best to run our business and and figure out how to serve them but a while back when we looked at residential access and specifically at pond we looked at a lot of the synergy again related to that miniaturization of components the optimization of bandwidth the optimization of power and we saw you know i think we could really bring something to the party here and really have you know the, the uh, at the risk of overusing you know a phrase uh, a one plus one equals five or something like that and we've seen it so far you know where like when we completed the acquisition of tibet you can imagine they were working on even though they had a functional product they're heading towards the next thing right of higher and higher bandwidth whether it be you know 50 gig or 100 gig uh coherent pond for example and they had for lack of a better description some complex math problems that they were trying to solve related to this and as dino deperna uh cleverly put it who runs our uh runs our r d uh he said you know kev uh it was kind of cool we introduced them to the math department up in ottawa you know and uh and they, they you know they were kind of blown away with the, the level of resources that sienna has around solving these complex uh equations that allow us to put so many bits on fiber so i think there is real synergy there there are challenges of course it's a different space of the network um and there's like simple things that we've discovered along the way of like interoperability you know in pond pond as you know is not like ethernet you know where like you're you know you're you go and check into your hotel out west and uh you fire up your uh your wireless connectivity of course which is ethernet in your hotel room and it works every time it doesn't matter where you are when you when you interconnect different pond devices they don't always work so you know we've had we've had to develop uh you know a more detailed commitment to that to making stuff work that should work out of the box but making sure that it works for the service providers but we see some great synergy there uh between uh access residential access and even you know 1.6 
terabyte uh, optical, you know, subsea networks. Um, and I think it's just all about the optics. Hey, one of the questions from audience is, um, what's the comparative cost of pond pluggables versus centralized pond systems? Yeah, so it's uh, it's very cost effective. I can tell you that it's it's shocking actually in that when you compare the two, you would think coming in that it's more expensive. It's actually less expensive to go with the modular approach. It uses less power, and you can actually get greater density per rack unit compared to the traditional traditional approach. And that's critical to us because again, we're realistic. Um, you know, in in residential access. Sienna is anything but a household name. And uh, when we put our solution on the market, we, have, we had to have very compelling product positioning in order to, to win any account. So if we're more expensive and uh, you know less efficient, that's not much of a product positioning. So we're able to uh, get around that for sure. So what are you deploying today? Is XDS is largely? XGS mostly, yeah. So that's that's uh, the sweet spot that uh, that Sienna is going after is XGS Pond, and um, and then going for higher and higher bandwidth as well. So 10 gig today, 25 gig very soon, and uh, and we're we're not stopping at 25 gig. I can tell you that. Well, that's one of the questions that came in is do you when do you envision you know 25 gig, 50 gig Pond to reach maturity in the U.S. Yeah, it's a great question. And of course, uh, you know, Gary, you you know from working with me in the past and you know uh, being a fellow entrepreneur, it's pretty easy to predict what's going to happen. However, it's very difficult to predict when it's going to happen. So I think 25 gig is pretty clear, you know, that we're going to see uh, things happening next calendar year for sure. You know, we see a lot of interest in it now. We'll probably see some testing towards towards the end of the year here, um, uh, you know, at scale, um, and uh, pretty big deployments next year. And then, you know, 50 or 100 gig after that is tough to predict. But we are uh, we're definitely uh, uh, in that end of the pool, working on the solution, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, we certainly see you know Chattanooga's network wide at 25 gig and. Um, AT&T and some others have been deploying it. Um, but given your pluggable um, solutions, does that accelerate upgrades? You know, because kind of what we see is, um, you know, how quick can people move from get, you know, Pond to XGS to 25 gig and beyond? Yeah, yeah, I think definitely that's true, Gary, in that, you know, you can, um, whether it be, our, you know, replacing a rack unit or adding a rack unit to a to a brownfield network or adding some pluggable modules to a brownfield network, the greater the modularity, the easier it is for a service provider to move up the bandwidth uh, uh, trail. And you know, it's been interesting. Like we've seen, even with some of our uh, very rural service providers, you know, they've been moving to 10 gig. Uh, solutions on the ONT faster than we thought they would. Um, and it's primarily not because, you know, in those cases that I would say that they're rolling out a lot of 10 gig, but they are getting into speed wars, even in uh, rural places, you know, where someone else is, is perhaps offering a five gig service. And uh, even though you may not have a lot of folks buying a five gig service in rural America, if you're in a competitive situation, you want to be able to offer something 
you know, that's five gig, eight gig, et cetera, to be competitive. Now, when someone's upgrading, so say that you have you know, people that are on PON or XDS and they're wanting to upgrade, would you be able to have mix and match pluggables in the same rack unit or do you have to add another rack unit? Um, you can mix and match different pluggables, you know, if there were different pluggables, right? You know what I mean? Like right now, we we have the only pluggable out there, but they are standard spaced plugs. So you should be able to mix and match, just like you can mix and match uh, gray optics today, you know, with coherent optics as plugs. Um, and so one of the things, you know, I see this significant sustainability benefit from dis disaggregated virtual pond solutions. Are your customers talking to you about um, what they need to do to get the zero carbon footprint, or is that coming into play? Are you seeing that in RFPs? I mean, how much do people care about that in the access space right now? You know, we're seeing more and more questions about that in RFPs, whether it be for corporate compliance or for, you know, practical practical uh, use cases. But I think the bigger issue is, you know, some of the largest larger service providers that are paying. Uh, huge percentage of their operating expenses go to electricity as you know so you know being energy efficient is very important so that's number one um, it's not just you know a pleasing thing to talk about it's practical it's a big expense and it's an expense that keeps giving so to speak right they you keep having to pay your electricity bill and then um, also you know a lot of the big service providers are looking to you know, retire and consolidate some of their physical serving locations. So, you know, if you can reduce the footprint and reduce the energy utilization, um, you can also consolidate the serving footprint. And that also saves them a lot of money. And it also allows them in some cases to sell that real estate and, uh, uh, you know, make some, uh, make some capital as well for their balance sheet. So, so it's, it's very important going above and beyond what uh, perhaps a, a corporate mission is related to carbon footprint. But we are indeed seeing requirements about carbon footprint, not only what the product does very importantly, but what you as a corporation are doing to reduce your own carbon footprint. We see questions like that in RFPs more and more these days. So it's really OPEX driven today, and then, but the side benefit of meeting the carbon reduction um, goals that people have. I think so. I think so. Um, so one of the other questions came in is, what about interoperability with all the different ONTs in the market? Yeah, it's a reality. So uh, you know, we're doing a strong job now. We're fully committed to it. And like I said, it's it's challenging, or you know, or I should say, it was more challenging than we thought it would be, um, because you take stuff out of the box and you think it should work together, but it doesn't. It's not related to Sienna. It's any anyone's equipment. When you plug it together, it doesn't always work in this space. So we're committed to interoperability. We're committed to pre-testing different software load changes to from other from other uh, companies, et cetera. And it's challenging for sure. All right. Well, there's a few more questions we won't be able to get to, so hopefully you can follow up with those, Kevin. But hey, we just really appreciate Kevin you sharing your experience and your insights on on modules and terabit pluggables. You know, I always love when I'd have Alexander on here. He would have show us terabits in his hands. So, um, so tell Steve I said hello. I know. I have to do my part and bring it too. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Alexander. Well, Harry, thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And look forward to getting back to next. see you next Wednesday. So, so long from Yuma. 
and we'll see you guys next Wednesday.